Howdy, howdy, ladies and gentlemen, those of you who are stuck or if you're still at work listening to the show, about to be stuck on 85, on 385, on Woodruff Road, on Lawrence Road, in Spartanburg, wherever you might be sitting in traffic, I appreciate you joining the show today. You don't normally hear me, Diesel, kicking off the show. And you weren't supposed to hear me, Diesel, kicking off the show today. Mark Ryan is out on vacation, enjoying some time with his family in Florida. Uh, he will be back on the show tomorrow, back in person here in studio. That means those of you who uh, are hardcore viewers of the YouTube stream will be back on the YouTube stream tomorrow. But normally, uh, well, not normally, but teased yesterday, you thought you were going to hear day number two in a row of Carlos Ortiz. Get all your mayonnaise questions out with Carlos. All your, how's it been going with your Duke's mayonnaise? Can we send you some more Duke's mayonnaise? Have you bathed in the Duke's mayonnaise yet? That's all you guys seem to care about when Carlos joins the show. But he is out as well. <laughs> uh, and we found this out about 1 o'clock today that Carlos uh, was uh, was under the weather a little bit. Carlos, uh, you know, I don't know how much I'm allowed to reveal when somebody is out, unavailable, when there is uh, an illness involved. But uh, Carlos, I think, is going to be okay. But he woke up with some uh, with some issues that he had started to experience a little bit yesterday. And uh, he went to urgent care there in New York City. Bing, bang, boom. Went over to the hospital. And he's trying to figure out. He might be back on the show later on today. I genuinely don't know if Carlos is going to be able to join the show today. So it's kind of thrust upon me, Diesel, to step in and host the show and produce the show and run the board and produce the audio all by myself. So that just means that I need you more than ever. You diehard offsiders, you diehard P1s of the show. I need to lean on you as much as possible. 71307. Start your texts with keyword fan. That's how you can text into the show. You can also call in at 844-FAN-PHONE. That's 844-326-3663. But a lot to get to on the show today. We didn't have a chance to dissect the entirety of the David Tepper press conference debacle that was uh, yesterday morning. We will get into that. We'll also get into Furman Athletics, who we love. We love Furman around here. Even though Furman uh, was one of my team's key rivals when I was in college, I am a, anything, if not a professional. And we're going to be talking to Dan Scott, the voice of Furman Athletics, in the very next segment. Some big things going on with Furman. Basketball season has already kicked off. Uh, some high, high expectations for Furman basketball this year. And, of course, the football team is in the playoffs. They're in the second round of the FCS playoffs. Didn't, didn't play last week because they had earned a first-round bye. But they are hosting a game against Chattanooga. We're going to talk about that. But, man, oh, man. I had asked the question of, of Chris Phillips several times over the past couple of months. Is the situation that happened with Spencer Rattler a good thing or a bad thing for South Carolina? What do I mean by the situation? Well, uh, he's a four-star. He transferred to South Carolina, chose to go to South Carolina after leaving Oklahoma. And everybody's like, oh, my God, is South Carolina becoming – an elite transfer portal destination when four and five star guys are transferring in to South Carolina. And then you wasted him. You really did. You wasted Spencer Rattler at South Carolina. That guy was way too damn good to play so badly 
Not what not Spencer didn't play badly. The team around him played badly. He is way too damn good to have those god awful. I don't know if I can say this on the radio, but the boss has gone piss poor results of the past two seasons with a guy like him at quarterback. You wasted him. There's there's all kinds of circumstances. You can point to a million and one circumstances as to why things didn't go well. Oh, he didn't have a good offensive line. Oh, he didn't have elite running back talent. Oh, he didn't have this. He didn't have that. But it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what wasn't around him. All that matters are the results. And you took a guy who people were talking about as as an elite first-round guy, and you pushed him probably to the second round maybe even third round of the NFL draft. And I joked, and I was being disingenuous when I said it, but I I said, man, Spencer Rattler is going to be one hell of an Arena League football player. I was being a little disingenuous, but I was trying to illustrate a point that he was a guy who has all of the physical attributes of a player who could go be good at the next level. And you ruined it. You didn't put anything around him. Scouts don't care about context. They care about results. And they care about a guy like that who can elevate the play of players around him. And there just wasn't enough there to be able to elevate that. But, but to my question that I teased earlier, my question to Chris Phillips is having a guy like Spencer Rattler transfer into your school, setting a good precedent for other players who want to transfer in as well. Now, obviously, things changed with the expectations of this season at South Carolina not coming to fruition, missing a bowl game, going 5-7. and seven. But it seems like maybe, maybe those elite-level quarterbacks still want to transfer into South Carolina. There's a big rumor floating around today. Let me be clear. This is a rumor. This is a rumor. This is not a report. We, are not, we do not report things here on this show. We react to rumors. We talk about things. We do what you you guys do. You talk about things at the water cooler. Hey, did you hear this? Did you hear that? K.J. Jefferson, Arkansas quarterback, is likely to enter the transfer portal and has South Carolina high on his list. K.J. Jefferson, Arkansas quarterback, is likely to enter the transfer portal and has South Carolina high on his list. How do you feel about that? How do you feel about that? 71307, start your text with keyword fan. How do you feel about the prospect, the idea of Arkansas's quarterback coming to you? He had, he had a solid 2023 season, not elite by any means. He had a solid season. 2,100 yards. 19 touchdowns, 8 interceptions, and a QBR of 51.7. That's good for 89th in the country as far as QBR goes. And that stat is misleading. 89th in the country, it's misleading. Got to factor in competition and all those kind of things. But he's a 6'3", 247-pound quarterback. Body style-wise, he's definitely bigger than Spencer. I don't think Spencer was. Spencer wasn't 240. 240 pounds. No, he was like 220, right? Sorry, again, hosting the show alone, I don't have the ability to be able to pull up stats in the middle of a show. 64% completion percentage this year in 2023. He's listed as a senior, but he's got to have you know, one more year of COVID eligibility left. How old are these guys going to be? Are they going to let guys play in college till they're 40? Like who's the Tom Brady of college football, right? <laughs> 
Uh, he was a four-star dual threat quarterback coming out of high school. Last time you faced him head-to-head was last year, 2022. Arkansas beat South Carolina in Fayetteville 44-30 to in that game. K.J. Jefferson went 18 for 21 for 162 and a touchdown. But is it a good thing? Would it be a good thing if K.J. Jefferson from Arkansas transferred in to South Carolina? 71307. Start your text with keyword fan. I want to get your opinions on the show today. Again, I told you I'm going to have to lean on you today as I'm uh, hosting the show and producing the show alone. But I do think uh, our good friend Rob Brown is going to pop in. He's like, man, I'm on that side of town. Why don't I just pop in and hang out for a couple segments? That'd be pretty sweet. Um, Is it a good thing? For K.J. Jefferson to go to South Carolina. Texter here says, I I think if K.J. goes to South Carolina, Beamer is going to waste more good talent. Ooh. Ooh. Now, of course, it's it's always a good thing in theory to bring in an experienced quarterback, a guy who's played in the league. He knows very well SEC defenses. He's clearly an SEC caliber player. But my fear is the precedent it sets for up-and-coming guys who are being recruited as freshmen at South Carolina. you got three-star Lenore Sellers. He's the heir apparent on the roster at quarterback next year. Is he going to transfer out? He's like, I'm never going to play here. You're just going to keep bringing in junior and senior quarterbacks to supplant me. Why would I stick around? We we talked to Chris Phillips about it the other day, and he's like, the Lenore Sellers era is upon us. At South Carolina. Do you want to blow that up before it even gets started? That is what I'm talking about when I say you're setting a dangerous precedent. You're telling young guys, sorry, thanks for uh, being on the practice squad. Thanks for getting our QB1 ready to go. Thanks for pushing him. Thanks for getting our our DBs ready to play. I mean, it's a dangerous thing to do. And Clemson fans, you know it all too well because that seems to be what Dabo Sweeney's general strategy is, which is to recruit out of high school as much as you possibly can, work on developing those guys, and then hopefully they develop into star-caliber players. But that's not what South Carolina's doing. You're bringing in Spencer Rattler. You had... I can't remember his name now. Zeb Nolan, who started his career at App State, as a matter of fact. Actually, no, let me rephrase that. He was a committed App State. Then he left, decommitted, went to Iowa State, bounced around a couple of different places, ended up at South Carolina, ended up playing. It's crazy the way that happened. Pinball around like that. But if you're telling high school talent that really all you can ever achieve here is backup. I think that's that's a really dangerous precedent to set if you're Shane Beamer. I think it would be a big, big, big mistake if you're Shane Beamer. Now, obviously, with Shane Beamer possibly being on a warm seat, not saying a hot seat yet. I, I think as of right now, as of November 29th, 2023, he's on the warm seat. But ask me that question again four, five, six weeks into the season next year. And I might tell you that he's on a hot seat, especially if you got all those winnable, all that murderer's row of out-of-conference games. Who is it? Wofford? Uh, Toledo? I forget who else is on South Carolina's out-of-conference slate next year. Obviously, Clemson is on there. But outside of Clemson, you're, you're playing nobody, right? 
compared to where you are in the SEC. I'm not saying – no, it was Akron. Excuse me, not Toledo. It was Akron. But if you struggle in those games, if you don't look good in the – or whew, if you lose one of those games – my God, that seat is fuego. That seat is the surface of the sun. But the rumor is, and we're, again, we're, we're, I'm stressing this is a rumor. The rumor is that Arkansas quarterback K.J. Jefferson, with likely one season left of eligibility, is likely to enter the transfer portal and has South Carolina high on his list. Texter here says, come on, K.J., would welcome him, need competition at all positions. Okay, I mean, do you want to be stopgap you? Because that's what you're going to be if if that's your tactic. And Shane Beamer may feel like he has to do this. He may feel like he has to do this to save his own job. Ultimately, I don't think it's going to help because you're playing in the SEC East. You're playing in the SEC, you know. And what, next year divisions to go away, is that right? So there is no SEC East next year? But you're playing just an absolutely brutal schedule. So, again, I I understand in this era where coaches aren't given the time to develop, they're not given the opportunity to take five, six, seven years to really build their house, then your hands are almost kind of tied. Your hands are almost tied. You almost have to take a K.J. Jefferson if you can because you're trying to save your own ass. And that's not a fun place to be if you're a head coach. It's not a fun place to be when Lenore Sellers walks through the door and he's like, Coach, what the hell, man? I thought I was going to be the guy. And now you're bringing in somebody else to supplant me. Texter here says, the dually diesel working for that money today. You know what? I should get a bonus, Texter. Can somebody send an email to management and say, this guy's doing double duty. He deserves couple extra shekels, you know, even a gift card. That'd be nice. (laughs) 71307, start your text with keyword fans, Gamecock fans. Um, Are you excited about the prospect here? As one texter says he is. Another one says if South Carolina gets K.J. Jefferson, Beamer's going to waste more good talent. Uh, Texter here says, hey, Diesel, Leto, Gary here. I think this rumor about, oh, man, this this is where it gets tough. Your text messages broken into multiple pieces. And, guys, I've tried. I've reached out to tech support and said, hey, what can we do about this? And they're like, yeah, nothing. We can't do anything about it at all. So, you know, we're just trying to piece things together live on the air. Texter says, Diesel, uh, Gary here. Uh, I think this rumor about Arkansas is quarterback maybe something that the university started. Is the rumor really true? Again, we can't – again – we can't know if a rumor is true. That's why I'm trying to be very, very, very clear that it is a rumor. I don't know if the rumor is true. I am sharing with you that it is a rumor. Speculate how you want to. David Tepper says that you guys better be putting on your speculating pants if you're a Panther fan, the reasons why coaches get let go. But this is, this is all speculation here. All of it's speculation. We're just talking about it here, okay? We're just we're all, you know, we're, we're friends. We're sitting at a bar with a beer in our hands, talking about man, how what wouldn't that be cool? Or God, that's really dumb if they go get KJ Jefferson. Uh, texter here says Beamer's closing sales pitch is to cry like a baby, and <laughs> oh man, 
and to have a recruit feel sorry for him. That's bad. It's bad look, man. It's a bad look for him to be like, my only regret is that I'm not going to get to see these guys anymore. God, what a what a horrible look. Shane, grow up. Like I, Gamecock fans are, would defend him as, as the day is long for when he got upset, for when he kicked coolers. Oh, I like it. I like it when a coach shows fire. You like it when, you're, when your coach is crying like a little B-word in the post-game press conferences? Oh, guys, this really hurts. Ugh. Come on. I have not heard a single Gamecock fan defend the crying. Like, his, his nickname was Crying Shane. And then he's actually crying in the press conferences. Dude! Horrible look. When we come back... It's all purple, baby. We bring on Dan Scott, voice of Furman Athletics. We're going to be talking about the uh, start of the basketball season, which is going on very, very well for the Furman Paladins. And Furman in the FCS playoffs taking on Chattanooga. We'll get to that next. Here on Offsides, we are the fan upstate. It's Offsides with Diesel feels weird to say it like that, you know? It's, it's, I'm used to saying the same way over and over and over again. We're all creatures of habit in this business, and, you know, these are the things you kind of say without even thinking about them. You just spit the words out, and you got to change it at the last minute. It gets tough. It gets tough to do it, and we appreciate our next guest for being able to pivot quickly and jump on the air and join us on the show today. He is a consummate professional. He is the voice of the Furman Paladins. How many sports are you up to now, Dan? How many sports are you covering for the Furman Paladins? Is it just for, uh, football and basketball, or are there more? Yeah, well, first of all, I, I think you just described my entire broadcasting <laughs> career in your open there. Um, it's, it's it's Furman uh, football and men's basketball and the Greenville Drive baseball. Man, so. man, you are you are a consummate professional. You're an Iron Man in this industry. Uh, a titan. Can I can I put it that way? Can I call you a titan of industry of this industry, Dan? Will you feel okay with that? No, because titans make money. Oh, okay, okay. And you, you you know how you're on the radio. You know our creed. <laughs> oh. Where else can you have this much fun for no money? Right. Come you know, there, there's a reason why when when uh, when we have a break every day, I'm perusing the downstairs to see if anybody dropped any breadcrumbs around that I might be able to take home. To my That's hobby, right. yeah. Search, searching for change in the couch cushions, That's all it. those things. That's it. Dan, are, are we in right now, uh, are we in a golden era? Not the golden era, but a golden era of Furman Athletics because, man, football seems to be rolling right now. Basketball seems to be rolling right now. Would you classify it as a golden era? I would say it's a, it's a very, very good good time for Furman uh, athletics, you know, the two flagship sports, especially. And, and even if you dig deeper in, in some of the things going on with our Olympic sports, they continue to, to be very good. But yeah, th- this has been a, this has been a fun stretch. I mean, if you go back to, to last football season, of course, making it to the second round of the playoffs. And, and I think everybody agrees we should have won that game should have made one more play or, whatever the case may be, and, and it could have been Furman making it all the way to the semifinals. And then, of course, we know what happened in basketball with the uh, NCAA tournament 
bid for the first time in 43 years and beating Virginia and now cycling back and having football back in the same spot it was last year, only this time as a number seven national seed. Yeah, it's it's been it's been really, really good. It's been fun to watch. And, you know, when you're a team broadcaster, especially for a small school, you don't always get these moments consistently. And it, it just makes you appreciate them that much more when you get to to a stretch where you're, you're pretty confident that things are going to go well for you. Yeah, Dan, you know, we all, you said it, none of us are really doing this job for the money. We're doing it as a labor of love. And, and obviously it makes it a heck of a lot more fun to walk in the building or get in the car for a long road trip when you're broadcasting winning athletics every time you turn on a mic. I mean, no no disrespect to to one of our good friends on the show here, but uh, a guy that we had on Monday, Jim Zoki, he's doing color commentary for the Carolina Panthers and he's doing play-by-play for East Carolina football. That guy is not not broadcasting any winning football. So, you know, you count yourself very, very lucky to be in a position to broadcast winning football uh, last night and basketball. Last night you were on the call, South Carolina State, taking on Furman. Furman won that game 86-78. to You went into halftime down one, outscored the Bulldogs by nine in the second half for an eight-point win. You know, Furman this year obviously is without two Massive pieces of senior leadership that you had in the last several years, Mike Bothwell and Jalen Slauson. Uh, but a lot of guys are returning. This is not as young a team as many people would would believe if they were just looking at it on the surface. Where is the elder leadership coming from on this season's basketball team? Well, I, you know, I think you look at J.P. Pegues, um, who, who really emerged last year as a sophomore, and, and it was kind of interesting in one of the one of the more important moments of the season last year after they they lost a game at some juncture early in the season or maybe early in the conference schedule. Um, and, you know, you talked about the leadership that they had, but it was Pegues who stood up in the locker room and started asking questions and started really started the ball rolling, I think. And, and it, 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 is one of the moments that people point back to a year ago that was really kind of a catalyst to that talented team starting to put everything together and, and ended up doing what they did. So, you know, I, I think you look to him. I, obviously, Marcus Foster, as a, as a fifth-year guy, is going to be in, in that category as well. Look, you've got seven guys back from that team last year, seven guys who played significant minutes. So there, there's leadership everywhere. What people don't understand, I think, Diesel, is, is that every season, every year is different, even if you have that many players returning, because there, there, there is a, a chemistry that has to be developed. There's a continuity and a cohesion that has to be developed. And, and that takes time. And I know one of the things that Bob Ritchie is is not happy about right now is what he's seeing from his team defensively. Well, guess what? That was an issue early last year as well. And that team made up its mind it was going to defend, and that ended up being one of the things that propelled them to that run. So you've got you've got that being worked out right now. You've also had this team being racked by injuries early in the season they still have not had a full complement of what they thought their top nine rotation 
was going to be. They may have that on Saturday for the first time this season. So it's just a, it's a work in progress. And, and then on top of that, as they're trying to do all of this, the schedule that this team has played, uh, you know, Mountain West, Conference USA, uh, uh, and I think yesterday and Belmont are the only two games they've played, if you throw North Greenville out, where you're, you're talking about comparable conferences. The, all the other games have been against teams from conferences and highly rated teams from conferences who are expected to be you know, a lot more highly favored than the Southern Conference. So he's challenging this team with a very difficult schedule with games at, at Princeton on Saturday, a Sweet 16 team from a year ago, and Arkansas on Monday coming up. Uh, and then Tulane is coming up, and they're, I think, picked either first or second in their conference uh, in a couple of weeks. So he's he's doing what's necessary to get this team in its best position to do what it has to do to get back to the NCAA tournament because the only SOCON team that's going to go is a team that wins that tournament in March. He wants to be pay, playing his best basketball in March, not in November. Dan, I swear I must have shared my show prep with you because you basically answered the question that I was just about to ask you. Well, in good your, night, everybody. In your, <laughs> We're done. <laughs> you know, you, but you said it there, pointing back to a year ago, the start that, that, that the Furman Paladins are seeing this year at 3-3 three and three feels very familiar to what we had last year. I think Mark and I, uh, we, we still joke about this, and we've joked with Bob Ritchie about it a couple times since then. Uh, we had an interview with Bob early in the season last year. It might have been seven, eight games into the season. And we asked him about the slow start. And Bob can be uh, he can be a little bit intimidating, you know, when, when you're not staring him face to face, you know. And, and he's like, I don't know if I like the tone of the question that you just asked me, but you said it yourself. Those are the starts that can galvanize a team later on in the season. But you and I both know, uh, Dan, that, you know, and we here in the upstate feel like Furman has the potential to be one of those elite mid-major type of programs. It feels like the minutia is pushing in that direction. Obviously, it's a big step to say that they're going to be the next Gonzaga or the next Wichita State uh, type of program. But anything like that is possible, especially when we've got such a power vacuum of quality basketball in the state of South Carolina with Clemson and South Carolina men's basketball not being particularly great. But I I look at at what you just said. You punched up in more games than you're punching down this season. It feels like, though, in that stretch of four games where you're punching up, to be that elite-level program, you've got to win three out of those four instead of losing three out of those four. How has Bob used uh, what happened last year, a very similar style of start to motivate this team. What what kind of inside information can you give us there? Well, I, I, I just think it goes back to what I told you. You know, there there are certain constants with this program. And, and one is it's it's a program that's going to be elite offensively when you look at all of their offensive metrics. They're They're very high nationally every year. But what sets good teams apart from great teams is how well you defend. And that is what is, in essence, I think the missing consistent piece. I mean, like like last night, there were stretches where, where the, the team defended unbelievably. And then it's like, all right, let's take our foot off the gas pedal and cruise here. And when they did, instead of winning the game by – 20 or more, they ended up 
uh, you know, winning by eight. The game was never in doubt really over the last eight or ten minutes, but they just just didn't continue to to keep the 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 foot on the gas pedal and 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 really put that game away. Those are the things that are going to come. And, and you know, you've got some guys who are playing in this system for the first time. Uh, and thinking about PJ Smith, who transferred in from from D two Lee University, and and some of the other guys who are uh, who were you know freshmen or redshirt freshmen a year ago, who are really stepping up in in their roles. The, these are all learned um, learned instincts, and and so I, I just I just think it's going to take time. And look. You can look at other teams around the same conference, and you see teams with great records right now. You know, Western Carolina six and zero, and UNCG is five and one, and other teams are five and one. And I know it was UNCG that went out and and beat Arkansas. But if you look at the the overall quality of the schedule, I don't think there's a team in this league that's played a more difficult schedule through the first seven games than Furman has. And that takes into account that one of those games was against Division Two North Greenville. So you know, you can schedule cream puffs to make yourself feel better and be 7-0 and at this juncture of the season, or you can challenge this team knowing that you need to be playing your best basketball in March and and get through all of the the things that you have to go through now as opposed to then. People forget, and we talked about this with Bob on the postgame last night, Diesel, it was January last year after a loss to UNCG that they finally settled on the nine-man rotation. And once they did that, once he committed to playing the ninth guy more minutes and solidifying that rotation, that was another one of those steps. He wants to do that more quickly this year, but that was January last year. So, it's always a work in progress. Yeah, Dan, iron, iron certainly does sharpen iron. We all, we have a, a, about a three or four minutes here left with you. I want to get into the uh, the FCS playoffs. You guys start 1 o'clock on Saturday facing a conference foe, Chattanooga. Uh, what can you tell me about uh, the quarterback situation? I know Tyler Huff, quarterback, was hurt in that Furman game a couple of weeks ago back on November 4th. Uh, what's, the, what's the prospectus on getting him back, and, and, and how do you see this game going? Well, Tyler looked me squarely in the eye on Monday at the press conference and told me he was playing. So I, I, that, that question has been answered. He will be back uh, behind center or in the shotgun, uh, as it were, and, and running this offense. Uh, we'll also have Dominic Roberto back, who did not play in the final game against Wofford. So I, I think this team is going to be uh, at full strength. It's going to be as healthy as it's been in a long time. You know, they played seven straight weeks after the bye before getting to buy in the first round of the playoffs. So I think that we're going to see a, 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 a team that's going to be rejuvenated from uh, a, a health and rest standpoint. You know, that doesn't mean they'll necessarily go out and execute great. That still has to be done. But um, I think the buy was really, really good for this team, and they earned that. Yeah, well, head coach Clay Hendricks. Every time we have him on the show, man, he is he is just one of the nicest, most affable guys you could ever hope to have on the on the show. Uh, but but man, I, I really kind of am afraid for the Chattanooga Mocs because they're going to get a, a pissed off, focused team. Who you and I, you've been around this business for long enough, you that you know that sometimes losing a game 
is the best thing to happen for a team. It refocuses, it regalvanizes you. And man, I, I'm just looking forward to a big, big output from Furman this week. And man, I could see them really pouring it on Chattanooga. Um, anything spectacular that you see out of that game, like a big challenge for Furman, or, or do you see it kind of playing out the way that it did the first time around, which was which was a relatively tight game? Well, first of all, don't let Clay's uh, affable nature fool you. I mean, he, he is one of the nicest guys in the world, but he's also one of the most competitive guys in the world. Um, but Chattanooga, to me, outside of the South Carolina game, was the best team we played this year. And the strength of that team is their defense. They have two of the best defensive ends at this level that you're going to see. Um, question, one of them, Jay Person, missed the second half with a shoulder injury last week. And we don't know if he's going to play or not. If he doesn't, that's a big blow for them. I would think they would move heaven and earth to make sure that he gets a chance to go out there and play. They're, they're a talented team. They're a big physical team. But, you know, that was also the game that Tyler Huff was hurt. He went out on the third series of the game. And that was the game that our redshirt freshman quarterback came in and threw the two late touchdown passes to secure the victory. Um, I think it's going to be a fun, fun football game. I, I really do. I expect Furman to win, but I, I think it's going to be highly entertaining. And, and I just hope that Powellin Stadium is packed out because these kids deserve to to have a, a full house for a game of this magnitude. Absolutely. There's nothing like the FCS playoffs. You know, coming from a school that was in the FCS when I was there, it's it's as as much fun as you could possibly have. It's more fun than going to a bowl game. I can promise people that, Dan. You'll be on the call at 11.30 Saturday morning, kickoff at 1, Chattanooga at Furman in the FCS playoffs. Have a great call, and good luck to the Paladins uh, in, in, on Saturday and in the basketball going forward. Thank you, my friend. Good luck nailing down the rest of the show. I appreciate it. I've just gotten a, a little jolt. Rob Brown has walked through. Don't worry, Dan. I'm he, here. <laughs> He is he is uh, monster energy in a in a human body form. So I appreciate your time, Dan. I thank you so much today. Yeah, the good news is Rob is there. The bad news is Rob is there. So. You have never <laughs> been more correct in your life, pal. <laughs> thank you so much, Dan. Have a great day. All right, that was Dan Scott, voice of the Furman Paladins. Texters, why are you trying to get me in trouble, man? This is not cool. Because I almost read this on the air. Texter asks. Uh, ask Dan when we can expect the Furman baseball preview. Oh, go Terriers, says the texter. I like how you're like, I almost read this on air and then immediately <laughs> read it on air. Yeah, well, you got to wait. I almost read it when Dan was on the air. I can't do that with Dan on the air. Texter, I see what you're trying to do. I like it until you're trying to get me in trouble. When we come back, we're going to break down the second half of the Dave Tepper press conference uh, from earlier this week where it, it just it just proves he does not have a clue. What in the hell he's doing? We'll talk about that next here on Offsides with Diesel. And now, Rob Brown. It's musical chairs on Offsides today. At first, it was going to be Carlos and Diesel, and then it was just Diesel, and now it's Diesel and Rob Brown. I see you rocking out to Breaking Benjamin. I got my Creed tickets. Oh, God. Now, do you really like Creed, or is it because Creed is all over your Instagram algorithm right now? I have loved Creed from the no. day Creed dropped. I, this is true. I went, no. to, I went to high school with the bassist Brian Marshall. Uh, I wasn't friends with him. He was two years ahead of me, but I know him. His dad 
coincidentally enough, was my orthopedic surgeon when I was a kid. I have loved Creed from, but I am a, and this is true. Would you say you loved them with arms wide open? I'm a Creed hipster. All right. I liked Creed before any of you liked Creed. I, was I don't a like Creed. Creed. No, I, I wasn't talking I about really you, the like royal Creed. you, the general you. Now, Scott Stapp solo crushes it because solo, is, he's awesome. Which is hilarious because Mark Tremonti solo is awesome, but you bring them together and Creed just sucks. Uh, I could not disagree with you more. Yes. It is the it is the it is the biggest fight we've ever had, Diesel and I. We are still <laughs> brothers arm in arm, except for when it comes to Creed, apparently. Man, I'm shocked that we did not see a billionaire come over a podium yesterday morning. First of all, I thought it was a pansy ass move to fire your coach on a Monday morning and then wait until midday Tuesday to have a press conference. If you're gonna do it, Get out in front of it. Have the conversation that day. Don't wait 24 hours and then be a total jackass in the interview. David Tepper had his, what, 15 minutes on the podium, which he really only wanted it to be like 11, 12 minutes. And then somebody asks him a question on on his way out the door and he, he holds back for just a second. But I've never seen somebody who wants to meddle so badly. But then when he meddles, he wants to be anywhere but behind the podium answering questions. The tenor of this interview was so combative from the media and from David Tepper alike that I thought somebody was going to start swinging. You know, and I thought, you know, as he's bragging on the medical staff there in Charlotte, he's like, you guys don't see what's going on inside of the building like I do. We're making improvements and in, in those areas. that's what the fans have been concerned about. You know, yeah, that's what we that really care our, about. All the people that call at our show are like, Diesel, Rob, you know, I got real concerns about the medical staff right now. Yeah. You know, we're one in ten. I got real concerned yeah, about the medical staff. Yeah, I thought staff. they were going to have to step in, fix some broken bones because, <laughs> and, and man, I, this is not really typically good radio to include the question with the answer. We're going to play some of these clips here, but the way these media members talk to David Tepper I was thinking this dude and David Tepper is not a little guy he's kind of a big guy I thought he was going to come across the podium and come after some of these guys David Tepper here was uh was asked you know he, he, he said man I've got patience I've got patience if you're doing good things well that's not really patience Dave that's that's not a, that's not patience at all uh he said he said I've got patience and then he was asked to follow up to that question well, what do you say to the fans who you asked to be patient who have had enough of this? You talked about your patience. Uh, when you moved on from Ron Rivera, you urged the fan base to have patience in terms of bringing in sustained excellence, sustained success. What would your message to fans be now, uh, four years later, that maybe feel like their patience hasn't been rewarded or, or they're, it's not moving in the right direction right now? That's the moment right now, right there, that I knew he was pissed. It's the... It's not moving in the right direction right now. <laughs> yeah. You know, um, every week, you know, I watch these games. And I've watched, you know, been around football for a long time. And listen, once upon a time, I was just a fan. Poor kid in Pittsburgh. That's what I was. So I know what it is to be a fan. And every day, every week we come in, it's part of us are fans. Okay, Nicole and I sit in that box and we live and die with every play. Uh, so I understand how the fans and I understand their frustration and I appreciate that. Um, I can just say this, we will make it better. I'm not promising that's going to happen tomorrow, but it may, okay? Football is a really interesting thing, what can happen in two or three year time span. Uh, this is like six, seven years away from being an even remotely solid football team. The <laughs> Give you the vibe I felt. Did that not feel, did this whole thing not feel politician who got caught up in a scandal-esque to you 
Yeah. Right? Who's Did the you, politician who who got busted like using campaign donations on OnlyFans? Yeah, it's, Santos, it's like, it's Soros, like a Santos thing. Yeah, it's like the dude who like he disappeared and then they found him like hiking naked in the Alps with a lover or something, and then they come to the podium and in there and this is what kills me in Dave Tepper's mind and those politicians' mind they don't feel like they did anything wrong. Right, they feel like they're on the up and up. He's a billionaire. They, the reason the frustration from Tepper kicks in is because he's like, who the hell are you to have the audacity to ask me these yeah. questions? And the reporters are very, like, in edge because here's the thing. Very rarely do you know that 100% of the fans are galvanized. That never yeah. happens unless your team is either kicking everybody's ass and winning multiple Super Bowls. Mid-2000s Patriots. Or the 1 in 10 Panthers. Yeah. A fan base is never galvanized. If your team's seven and eight, eight and seven, you're not you're not galvanized, and so right. you you don't really feel like you can go on the attack without risking off putting yourself from from half the fan base. Every every reporter in that in that room knows the entire fan base is furious right now, and so they can be a little more biting with these questions. And then you've got Tep up there, who I truly believe does not feel like he's done anything wrong right now, and it just creates this incredibly entertaining tension. Well, he comes to this podium to answer questions, and media members ask him questions, and he refuses to actually answer the questions. And we know for a fact— uh, I don't remember which which reporter it was for the Charlotte Observer. Dave Tepper a year ago said, "I read your columns. I know that I know that you've had some negative things to say." The guy's sitting in the front row with his hand up, and Tepper won't take his won't take his question. He won't take his question. So th- we're going to come to a situation where these media members, God, I would love it if they would all show up to a meeting, would all show up to a Dave Tepper press conference, and not ask a single question. And just sit there silently and make him look like an idiot because nobody cares enough to ask him questions. I only want six words out of Dave Tepper. I don't know what I'm doing. Those are the only six words that if he says, I would believe. People ask him, well, what are you doing firing three coaches in a row midseason? Well, you know, that's for you guys to speculate, and each one of them had reasons. I you're that, here to the answer the damn question, Dave. I love Dave. that. You guys can speculate. No, no. That's why you're here. That's why we're here to get answers. We're not here to speculate. We're here to get answers. Here's, here's the problem. And it's infuriating. I think, here's the problem I think you're going to bump into. Like, yes, we all want to hear Tepper go, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm going to let – this is the way I phrase it yeah. on my show. I'm going to let football guys make football calls, right? That's the way yeah. I've always said it. Let football guys make football calls. But then he says, ultimately, I have the final call. I have right. the final say. I'm going to let my football guys make the recommendations, and then I'm not a football guy. I get to make the call. Remembered before he came to Carolina, David Tepper was a minority owner with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Mm-hmm. And you will remember there was a great controversy a few years ago because Mike Tomlin, who has spent his entire tenure with the Pittsburgh Steelers, and this is true, kicking everybody's ass. David Tepper led a small group of minority uh, minority owners who wanted to fire Mike Tomlin. And he got pushed back on because the people in Pittsburgh who are football guys effectively said, if you fire Mike Tomlin, we're all going. We're all going with him, and you will be stuck with some clown nobody head coach because they're going to go, wait a minute, I can go work for a job where I literally never have a losing season, but I can get canned by some minority owner. I'm not going there. And the, the eventually the Roonies and the, the, the big-name family or the, the mayors, whoever, runs that team now I don't even know pushed back and said no David Tepper you're not doing that that was part of the reason he left Pittsburgh and now he's down here trying to run the team the exact same way except for as a majority owner there's nobody that can check him right now and so 
He feels like he knows what he's doing, and this is everybody else's fault, even though all of the things that led us here were ultimately his decision. Well, yeah, people know, people don't leave him. He said it also earlier in that press conference. People don't leave me. I've had people that worked for me for 30 or 40 years, and I hope the next coach I hire is going to be around here, and he's going to be delivering my eulogy. Like, even Jerry Jones is calling up David Tepper and saying, bro, you need to take a step back. You, you don't know me. what you're doing. You can't tell me. Nobody leaves me. Everybody loves me when you're about to hire your seventh head coach in four years. You can't tell me that. Okay. Okay. Now, I'll tell you this right now. This is what I said on the show this morning. If I wanted to learn how to manage a hedge fund, I would sit in David Tepper's office glued to his hip and I never leave him alone. But I'm not trying to manage a hedge fund. I want to root for a not bleeping terrible football team. And that is not, you're not the guy I come to. The the guys like him, guys like Jerry Jones, guys like Al Davis, they get it in their head that they're the smartest guy in every mm. room, regardless of what we're talking about. Because, hey, I made a billion dollars. How many people make a billion dollars? A couple of hundred. That's it. There's a couple hundred people that reach that plateau in America. So I must be very super smart guy. Yeah. You are when it comes to managing a hedge fund. When it comes to a football team, hire a competent GM and go sit up in your press box and get wasted with your wife and have a ball, buddy. Yeah, or, I mean, you could send her down to scout the offensive line. What the hell? You You don't know what you're doing. David Tepper. Everyone can see it. Everybody knows that the the, the real firing should have been Scott Fitterer, not Frank Reich. I mean, you probably should have fired both of them. That's fine. But if you're going to fire somebody, fire your GM who has put you in this position, who has made these god-awful trades, who who has made first-round draft picks that don't pan out year after year after year, who doesn't have a clue what he's doing in rounds two, three, and four – this is not on Frank Reich. Yeah, but isn't there isn't there a part of you that wonders if these draft picks aren't David Tepper's and Fitterer's just a yes man? Still means Fitterer's got to go. Either way, Fitterer's got to go. Sure. But now I think, especially after this press conference, there's a part of me that thinks that Tep's in the war room, and while he's going, yeah, I'll let all the other guys make the decision, but I get the final decision, then, bro, it's your decision. Yeah. I'm at the point now where I'm like, I've come to a conclusion. I'll say this and shut up because we got to go to break. If Tep doesn't get out of the way, this team will never be good. End of sentence. I can't argue with that. I can, he, he's got to learn to step back, but he won't because billionaires become billionaires because they tend to make a lot of correct decisions, and he's now got it in his head that I am always right. A lot of us have tried to be right very often in the upset picks contest. Most of us have gotten it very, very wrong for the majority of the season. We will get back to the contest I don't have the standings. Dan B., if you're listening, if you want to shoot those over to me really, really quickly, we'll get to the Upset Picks contest. We'll get to your picks. We'll start making some predictions and upsets, outright upsets. And, hey, Rob, you can join into this as well, even though you're just getting in at the tail end of the season. You hit a big enough upset. You pick what, I mean, like Iowa, a pointer? You pick Iowa over Michigan. You could end up in the top three. I'm not doing that. <laughs> That's coming up next here on Offside. Offsides with Diesel on the fan upstate.